Welcome to the River D Centre podcast. Listen back to the Sunday worship message recorded live in our church building in Flint, North Wales. Good stuff. Um, show of hands, who's ever been to Frog Squad? Oh yeah, there's a few. There's one or two. Frog Squad. Okay, well, there's a reason that you might not have been to Frog Squad because Frog Squad is for aged four to twelve. Um, four to eight, is it? I can't remember even now. Four to eight, yeah, four to eight. Um, and you guys that have been will have been as a helper. At Frog Squad, we um, have stacks and stacks of kids in this room here, right? So they come in on a Tuesday evening. They, like, are all here 10 minutes early. They're, like, standing at the door like wild animals. And we have the door locked for our own safety. And the door's shut. And they're all coming earlier and earlier. And the kids are, are one by one. And the team is in here, scared stiff, <laughs> waiting for the doors to open. Now, I'm just messing. We've got just incredible, amazing kids that are just coming to this facility. And a Tuesday Night Frog Squad is all about introducing them to what it is to come to church, what it is to be a Christian, and what it is to live a life for Jesus. And they come along, and the parents are dropping off, and these are like Flint kids. These are like kids from the Gwynedd, from all the schools around the area. Um, my kids are in school with a lot of them, so there are a lot of their friends, and they're turning up just to be... Um, because they enjoy each other's company and they just want to be encouraged by one another. They get like star shop prizes, which they love. Um, but there's a moment in there where they all sit on these chairs and the lights go dim and the music's like, it's, the music's a bit wild. It's a bit like, yeah, it's crazy. And, and the kids go in, they sit down and we either show them a little video clip or one of the leaders shares with them a story and you can hear a pin drop in the room. And the same tonight at Junior Station, in amongst all the fun and all the Easter eggs and the chocolate and the ice creams and the chaos and the um, Russian roulette egg dash that's happening tonight and all that crazy stuff. In amongst all of that stuff, there is a moment where those kids sit and listen. And you think kids today, they're unruly. They're not like you guys that just sit here nice and go flipping, I wish you'd hurry up. I wish you'd hurry up. You know, they... They just sit for a moment and they just take it all in. And we've been sharing stories with the junior station and with Frog Squad, like mission stories, like stories from when we've been, like I've been on mission to other countries, maybe um, when I've been to Zambia or when I've been to India or Bulgaria. And I'm sharing these stories of how God has helped me and changed my life. And I've been to other countries to share the gospel. And we're sharing these stories. And I look at these kids and sometimes I think, I don't know whether they understand me or not. And some of them are looking like this. Some of them are like got their fingers up their nose. And I sat there and like wondering what's going on. But the reality is this, that there is a moment every time those kids come in where they get an opportunity to meet Jesus and to meet God and to experience what the love of God is all about. And how does that happen? Well, they experience the love of God by the leaders loving them. And it might sound a little bit weird in today's world that, you know, you've got, you, you love other people's children. You know, I love my children deeply, but when children come into this place, we love to see them. And there's just something in us 
that makes us go, you know what, we want to give these guys the best time. We want to make sure that they have fun, but we want to make sure they have an opportunity to have a moment with God. And one of the songs, I won't play it for you, and I certainly won't sing it for you, and I won't go through the dance routine because it's tragic. Um, yeah, gutted. But because there's now cameras and this gets live streamed, there's no way all of my seven Instagram followers are being exposed to that, right? But they, we sing this song called God's Awesome Rescue Plan, okay? And I don't know about you, we, we won't go around asking for the stories, but have you ever been rescued before? Elizabeth rescues me constantly. Moments when I'm just about to put my foot in it or say something that I shouldn't, she's always like, poof. And she gives me the elbow and she rescues me in moments. But have you ever been rescued before? Maybe you've got a, a crazy rescue story. Myself and Elizabeth, we've been watching this like Chicago Fire binge television. And we've just been watching it. And we watch people constantly get rescued from situations. But this song we sing is God's awesome rescue plan. And it's about this whole idea that God sent Jesus to rescue mankind. And, you know, for a lot of people, I know my friends growing up, sometimes they would look at me and they say, Ben, why'd you go to church? It's like weird. It's, it's old and it's boring and it means nothing. It's got no relevance to me. And I think the job, our job as a church is to show the community that church is very relevant to them. Because church isn't about the building, and it's not about the type of songs that you sing, and it's not about even how the, the church looks. For me, a good church is all about, does that place give you an opportunity to meet Jesus? Does that building give you an opportunity to meet with God? And you might be sat here today going, what is this guy on about? I've never met with God. I don't even believe in God. Well, hopefully, as we go through this sort of little message today, um, and the kids are being like taught like little messages through fun and games and all stuff out there, having loads of fun. I just hope and pray that today you have a little opportunity, a moment to meet with God. You see, God's awesome rescue plan was to send Jesus. And we've just touched on a little story, a little passage the week before, in the moments before Jesus, we know the story, we know the Easter story, you've heard it loads, maybe at school, that Jesus was put to death on a cross. And that he died and he was put to death for our sin. And three days later, he, he, he rises again. And we know this story gets taught to us as kids, but what does it actually mean? And did we need rescuing in the first place? I've been um, learning some stuff through the Bible Project. Anyone heard of the Bible Project? Yeah, some really, really good stuff. It's a free app. I really recommend it. Um, there's podcasts and little videos that you can watch and that you can listen to. And they just take the Bible, which is like quite a confusing book, and they just break it down into simple little sound bites. And they call them like little takeaways. So like for me, someone say takeaway to me, my eyes light up. Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking Donami. I'm thinking, you know, that's where my head goes when you say takeaway. But the whole idea of a takeaway is that you, you pitch up to somewhere and you take something away with you. Normally it's good stuff like Donami. If you're not into Donami, maybe it's a Chinese or whatever. But the idea is you bring something away from that experience. And 
this Bible project gives you little takeaway moments. And I've been um, read, listening to some podcasts this week that talk about this idea of sin, right? And this idea of, it's a word that's used loads in the Bible, but we don't tend to use it now, unless you're part of a Weight Watchers plan, which obviously they, they use the word sins, don't they, for whatever they do. But um, the, the reality is this, we don't really use that word because it seems very old-fashioned and it seems very strange. But this Bible project in this little section was helping me break this word down, sin, what, what it translates to and what it means. Well, the Hebrew word, so we've got to remember the Bible wasn't written in English. Um, you know, the, the Old Testament and then we, we have the sort of the Hebrew um, text and then we get the, like, the Greek text coming in in the, in the New Testament and stuff. But the word sin translates to, uh, in Hebrew, this word like katar, yeah? Oh, I, I can't, maybe my pronunciation's a bit off, but katar is this for this word sin. And basically it means, the closest sort of English translation, if you dive out of the word sin, is fail, to fail, a failure. And I don't know about you, but like, if I was to describe some of the moments in my life that I go, I've done wrong here, I've messed up, I've failed. I've failed me, I've made a mistake, I've failed the people I love, I've failed. That's the closest sort of example, like like this Bible project's helping me understand that when we think about sin, when we think about doing something wrong, it's that feeling of failure. Now, we've all experienced that, right? Those moments where we go, ah, I've missed the mark there. I've got that wrong. I've failed, I've sinned. I've messed up. And the sad thing, I guess, about mankind and humanity and the way that we do things is as, year, as years have gone on and as we've sort of gone about our lives and we say we're in complete control, my life is my life and I'm in complete control of it. As we do that, as we've done that, we arrive at this place where we even we sin and we get things wrong, but we're not even aware of it. It's just become natural. We just do things on a regular basis. We say things that hurt people. We do things, and we're not even aware of it. We're oblivious, and we think that we're okay, and we think that we're good. But the reality is that we failed. We get things wrong, and we make mistakes. We hurt people. We do daft things. And that's why we needed rescuing. That is why we needed rescuing. And God looked down upon his people and, go, and gave us an opportunity and a moment where we could connect with him. And the great news is this, that God is a gracious God. He is forgiving. He is loving. He is incredible. And we're thinking today about communion. Why do we take communion? What is it all about? We'll, we'll touch more on this later, but for me, communion is an opportunity to connect with God, to remember what God has done for us. You see, when we think about the Easter story that Jesus died on the cross and then he rose again three days, it's a, it's a great story if you're a kid, you know, that, that's cool. It's a, a, like a victory story, isn't it? That we thought Jesus was dead and he, he, he was dead, but three days later he he rises again. But there is so much power in that story. And if you're an adult here today, if you're anybody here today, I want you to know this, that however you feel, 
about your life and the direction that it's heading. Whether you think you've failed, you've stuffed up, you've messed up. I want you to know this, right? That in God's eyes, nobody is a write-off. Who's ever written a car off? Who's ever crashed a car? <laughs> One hand on the back, like, mm, yeah, that was me. You know, who's, who's ever done that? And you stand in front of it, and it's written off, it's gone. And the insurance company and the people go, throw it in a scrapyard, it's done, it's finished. You know, one of the lies of the world, one of the things that mankind has, has produced is this lie that people are write-offs, that you are written off, you're done, it's game over. But that's simply not true. The Bible doesn't say that we're a write-off. The Bible says that God has given us Jesus so that we can be piece by piece put back together. Put back together. You see, Jesus died on a cross. You see, Jesus was perfect. Jesus was sinless. Sinless. So Jesus, 33 years old when he was put to death. I'm 33 this year, right? And I can think of a lot of times that I've got things wrong. And that's a long time to be perfect, to be sinless. But there was something special about this man, Jesus, that he was the son of God. So in the Old Testament, life before Jesus, if you like, It was all about the law, okay? And God gave the law to his people. Show of hands, who's ever broken the law? That's it. First rule of breaking the law is never admit to breaking the law. You failed. The answer is no comment. If anyone ever asks you that question, the answer is no comment. Okay, no comment, that's it. Have you ever broken the law? No comments. Right, okay, fantastic. The truth is, we've all done it in some way, some shape, or some form. Whether it's parking offenses, speeding, let's not go into the heavy list of all that could be breaking the law. But the reality is, we've all done it. And you know, in the Old Testament, when God gave Moses the law for the people and it got written on the the stone, you might know this as the Ten Commandments or, you know, this law that was in place. And if you read through those first sort of um, five books in the Bible and you look at that, those sort of moments and through Leviticus and that, you read the law, right? And the law is exactly what we think about it today. It's a set of rules that you need to follow and if you break the law if you broke those commandments then something would have to happen in order the the word is atonement that it's something to be made right you know if you broke the law then something needed to happen for for that law to be put back together for that that thing that was broken to be mended And in the Old Testament, that was sacrifice. That was like, find a sheep, kill a sheep, offer it as a sacrifice. And in the Old Testament, there were priests and high priests. And the Levite 
guys that would once a year step into this holy part of the temple, the holy of holies, once a year, and offer a blood sacrifice. And it all sounds very weird, doesn't it? You know, sometimes you're watching like Netflix and stuff, and you're watching stuff, and we've been watching the Viking stuff, and Elizabeth's like, this is a bit weird. But the reality is, when you read some of the stuff that was going on, some of the stuff in the Old Testament was just as weird. It was just as out there that... When men and women got things wrong and broke the law, there was a blood sacrifice that was needed. Jesus himself stated and alluded to the fact when he was speaking to the people that it was impossible for us to keep the law. And it doesn't matter how hard you try to be the A1 citizen, at some point you're going to break the law. Who's ever been caught speeding? No comment. Come on, guys. Guys, what chance have we got? Honestly. Oh, never mind. Never mind. You know, it's impossible for us to. We're not perfect. Just, you know, just if you're struggling with this concept of you're, you're perfect, let me just tell you right now, you're not perfect. You're not perfect. You're going to get things wrong. You're going to make mistakes. And just like in the Old Testament, something needed to happen for you to be sort of, you know, atoned for that moment, God's awesome rescue plan was to send Jesus to die on a cross. And just like Jesus sort of bled on the cross and he bled out to his death, and they pierced his side and all that horrible stuff that went on when they whipped him and they beat him, that guy who went to death so that you and I can be forgiven, in those moments, something incredible happened. The world changed forever. There's a, a scripture, Jeremiah 31, 33. We, we, you don't need to turn to it. We'll, we'll, we'll rattle through it. It says this, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. This is a, a prophecy. This is a, a prophetic scripture that comes from the book of Jeremiah. And basically, this is God saying, look, I'm going to take this law, all these rules and regulations and way that you have to live. And it's called the covenant. God made a covenant with his people, this idea that God had made a covenant with his people. I'm going to take that and I'm going to place that covenant in the minds and in the hearts of people. And I will be their God and they will be my people. You know, I don't know if anybody's ever sat with you and, and you know, we do this. Or we, I remember years ago, Castle Mission, we were, we were doing this with kids constantly. We were introducing them to Jesus. We used to have little gospel wristbands and we would sit with them and we would say, would you like to have Jesus live in your heart? And that's how we used to say, would you like Jesus to come and live in your heart? And I remember being a kid at a little tent event and somebody came up to me and said, would you like Jesus to live in your heart? But this prophetic word, this prophecy that came through in the Old Testament said that I'm going to make a new covenant and I'm going to place it in the hearts and in the minds of my people. And that was Jesus. And that was Jesus. 
And when Jesus died on the cross, something changed and something happened. And that's why today you and me can sit here, yes, still not perfect, still breaking the law, still making mistakes. But the reality is this. We don't need to say no comment. This is what we say. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me not to make that mistake again. I remember being a kid growing up and I'd do something wrong and I'd apologize to my dad or my mum. And I don't know about you, but if you've done something wrong, when you apologize, you're really secretly hoping it's the end of it. You know, that it's just everything's going to go back to normal once you say the word, I'm sorry. And I remember my mom and dad go, sorry means you won't do it again. <laughs> sorry means you won't do it again. Sorry, sorry. And there's this moment where you think, oh, I don't know whether I, you know, you, we say sorry, but I don't know whether I mean that I'm sorry. You see, maybe your experience of church or maybe you've got no experience of church has been, maybe your experience is about like religious ceremony and maybe you think, communion is a bit of a religious thing it's a a holy act and there's a little bit of truth in that there's a little bit of truth in that but one of the things Jesus called people out on because Jesus spoke truth and when Jesus saw something that he didn't like he spoke truth into that situation one of the things that Jesus called out in people was religion was this idea of Looking good on the outside, but being trash on the inside. And what happened is during the time of Jesus, there were these um, religious scholars that, you know, understood um, like the law, that studied the law. They were called Pharisees. And these Pharisees would talk the talk, but on the inside, they were just like hypocrites. They were, they were just messed up like everybody else. They'd say things behind closed doors. They'd think thoughts that weren't right. But on the outside, they look great. They'd look good. And one of the worst things that I feel, one of the biggest battles that church faces, modern day church, is fighting off this idea of hypocrisy. Fighting off this idea that people in church think they're better than everybody else. And that's not true here at River D, and it's not true across many churches in our nation and in our world. Because the truth is, we all know, the Bible says, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. But I want to take you back to this. There are no write-offs in the kingdom of God. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter how low you feel you've sunk, Jesus died for you and even if you're the only person on this planet he would have still died for you because Jesus was motivated by love so communion what's it all about I know Pastor Steve he spoke to me in the past about he grew up in the Catholic Church and the idea of 
religious ceremony and order and tradition and this molding and shaping is something that for years Steve has had to sort of shake off and journey through and walk walk away from not because taking communion is a is a bad thing it's certainly not we're going to come on to how much of a good thing it is now but if you're taking communion just for show it counts for nothing in fact the bible tells us that if you take communion without thought or even worse falsely and not without with unbelief then actually you do more damage than good so what is this little cup of juice and this little basket of bread all about? What does it mean? Why do we do it? Well, in simple speak, I'm a simple guy, so I'm just going to keep it simple. For me, it's all about remembrance. It's all about creating a personal moment where we remember God. You know, if you look at it all throughout history, there's different dates that give significance, right? So, you know, I, I think that, you know, if you look at um, Remembrance Sunday, it happens on a specific date in the year. And it's a moment that brings everybody together to remember those people that fought for our freedom. Or maybe you pick a disaster that happened in the world and you know, maybe take 9-11 for an example, and we remember the tragic events of that date. There's something that's happened in history that brings people together in a moment of remembrance. And we aim to forget about other things for that moment, and we concentrate and focus our attention on what happened, the lives of people that were lost, and the families that lost people in those moments. I see communion as a bit like that, uh, an event in history that brings us together to focus on Jesus. Who's heard of that story before or, or heard of the story about Peter walking on water? And there's this beautiful moment in the story so that like, the, the guys are in the boat, the disciples are in the boat, and Jesus comes strolling over on top of the water. And like, they're all like freaked out by this. They think it's a ghost and they don't know what's going on. Yet, for a brief moment, Peter has the courage and the boldness and the confidence to step out. And Jesus is like, come on, let's go. Let's do this. Come and walk to me. And for those first early moments, Peter walks on the water with Jesus because his focus and his attention was on him. The second that Peter starts to think about the water and the waves and the realization hits him, oh my goodness me, what am I doing? He begins to sink. Well, communion for me, personally, on a personal level, is an opportunity to come to remember what Jesus did for me. You know, I'm... I'm somebody that likes to think that I'm glass half full sort of person. I like to think that. But I know that sometimes I can be pretty miserable and pretty moody and see the circumstances and the situations. 
But, you know, whenever we take communion, whenever we come together and we get to this point where we say, Jesus, we're going to remember you. We're going to take this moment to thank you for what you did for me. It surely, just for a minute, just for a moment, we forget about circumstance and situation and where we're at because we've got an opportunity to say thank you to God. You know, the, the big driving factor in this was love. And you might, have been, you might be sat here this morning going, Ben, that, that's cool. I've been taking communion forever. I know this drill. I know everything that you've said. And that's cool. And that's great. And I love that. But I just want you to know this this morning, that God loves you. That he loves you so much that he gave his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. So that those moments of failure, those moments of, oh, what have I done? I cannot believe I've stuffed this up. Those moments can be turned into God's grace and love. And you get to step forward and you get to walk into a new day without carrying. This is how I describe it to people when I, when I chat to them. All that rubbish, all that guilt, shame, feelings of failure, past mistakes, all that garbage, it's like carrying it around in a massive rucksack on your back. And Jesus has given us an opportunity to put that rucksack down and walk away from it. To walk away from it. It doesn't excuse everything that we've done. We're still accountable to that to a, to a degree in terms of we've got to make sure sorry means we don't do it again. We've still got a responsibility to try and be better. But in our own strength, we know that we're not perfect. And the truth is this, that Jesus gives us an opportunity to walk away from that stress and from that struggle. So just like the kids come into Frog Squad, and we give them an opportunity to meet with Jesus. And just like the, um, the kids come to the junior station tonight, and we're going to give them an opportunity to meet with Jesus, we're going to do the same for you today. We're going to give us an opportunity to meet with Jesus. We're going to play a song in a, in a second, and it's a great song. It talks about the ruins that come to life, right? And I just want you to think about this for the next few minutes. If you feel like a bit of a crumpled up, crashed up car that is worried that people have written you off, no church will want me, no workplace wants me, my family members don't want me. If that's you this morning, I want you to join this song just in your thought patterns, in your, in your mind, say this, Jesus, I'm not a write-off. Put me back together piece by piece. Piece by piece. That's what I want you to pray. Under your breath, no one's gonna, no one's gonna know. If you pray that prayer, come and come and speak to me. Afterwards, I'd love that. But put me back together, piece by piece. Help me walk in the freedom of life. And you know, maybe you've prayed that prayer. That's where communion comes in. Because day by day we're walking in God's grace. By the grace of God, there I go I. Day by day, every day is a gift that we get to walk in the grace of God. And every day, at certain moments, we get to take communion to bring us together. Communion, you break it down, common union. 
it brings us together in unity. Christ died to bring his people back together. Not for people to fight and to squabble and to hurt one another and to go to war and to fight in the street and to have a slanging match on Facebook. That's not why Christ died. Christ died to bring people back together. His people, remember that scripture. I, um, I will be their God, they will be my people. God uniting people with a common, common grace, with a common theme, the love of him. You know, I listened to this podcast two days ago and it was all about how I have more in common with somebody in India that's worshipping God than I do with maybe people in my family from time to time that aren't following Jesus because there is a thread, Hebrew says, that there, is a, there should be a consistency that runs through us all and that is Christ Jesus. And God brings people together. If you feel alone today, I believe that God is bringing you together to his people to experience something incredible. So while this song plays, I just want you to have a personal moment of reflection. Close your eyes, stay sat down, chill out. Nobody's watching, nobody's doing anything. But I want you to just think about, do you need to come to Jesus for the first time and give it a go today? Or do you need to come to Jesus for the 10,000th time and remember what he's done for you? Either way, today we remember what Jesus did when he died on a cross for us. Thank you.